Thank you so much, worship teams at all of our campuses. Guys, thank you so much for joining in with us. It is so good to be here, so good to see. In fact, look at the person beside say, tell them, say, I'm glad you're here. I am glad you're here. Man, it is good to to see you all this morning. I'm really excited about today. We're gonna, I've got a lot of text, a lot of scripture. So if you're a note taker, you may have to go back and watch this. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're gonna look at 12, 13, and 14 today. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your phone, you can go uh, to the Bible app, and I'm using the NET. Uh, New English translation, if you wanna follow along with me on your Bible app, uh, I'd love for you to do that because we're gonna walk through this scripture together. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit saves us, how the Holy Spirit seals us. Isn't it amazing, the Holy Spirit seals me, the same seal that God put on his son Jesus, he puts on you, puts on me. And uh, we, we talked about that, what does that look like? How, how does he save us and secure us? We talked about last week being baptized in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. And so if, you, if you've missed any of those, you can go back and watch it. Uh, last week was really a blessing. I had a lot of encouragement. People came and talked to me just to let me know. They never heard it explained the way of really being baptized in the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? When are you baptized with the Spirit? And so if you missed that, we wanna encourage you to go and check that out. And today we're gonna continue with the gifts of the Spirit. So we're gonna look at some of the controversial gifts that maybe if you've been around church and maybe this is you for the first time checking out this thing and maybe you're like, man, somebody invited me to come and I came and while it was already snowing so it was cold outside, there was no reason to do nothing else so I just came and showed up today. We are glad that you're here. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us. Some of you, you've been raised in church and you had a certain experience in your life or you have a certain background from a certain denomination and uh, as a kid, you were brought up in a certain church or denomination and you were around certain gifts uh, of the Spirit, and you've maybe had questions or experienced those gifts. Today, we're gonna unpack that a little bit. Uh, some of you, maybe you're like me. I wasn't raised in church, and so I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know what it's like to sit through boring sermons and boring services and just sit there just looking at my watch, praise God, can we hurry and get out of here because I'm hungry. Like I don't know what that's like to sit through stuff like that. So also, with that, I wasn't indoctrinated in a certain belief or a certain way uh, as a kid raised up to believe a certain thing. I just wanna go to the Bible, Study God's word and let God's word speak for itself because God's word trumps how I feel. God's word trumps my experiences. And I have to always and take anything that's happened to me in my life and compare it into God's word and to see the truth of it from the scripture. And so that's what we're gonna look at today as we walk through this. How many of you like birthday parties? You like having a birthday party for you? Anybody like birthday parties? I like birthday parties. Why? Because I get a gift on my birthday. Come on, right? Don't you like getting a gift on your birthday? Well, that's what happened when you gave your life to Jesus. God threw a spiritual birthday party and he gave you a spiritual gift. And every single person has put their faith and trust in Jesus out of the, everyone on the planet who's ever put their faith and trust in Jesus, God gave them a spiritual gift. Now, a lot of people don't know what those are. They don't know what gift that they may have. And, and we have seen cl closely that a lot of times the gift that God gives you has some uh, a merit or attachment to maybe a natural ability that you have. And God has like super energized that gift. I'll walk through some of those just in a moment with you. And in some people, they have no ability whatsoever to perform or do that specific gift, but God graciously, miraculously gives them a gift and God uses it to the people to minister around them. And so that's what we're gonna focus on today. And 1 Peter 4 says, God has given each of you the gift 
from his great variety of spiritual gifts in our lives. And he says that he wants you to use them. Now, why did God give us spiritual gifts? God wants you to use them, watch this, to serve other people. So let me help you understand something about your spiritual gift. It is not for you. Your spiritual gift is not for you. God gave you a gift so that you would use your gift to serve the people around you. And so that's what we're gonna walk through because the Bible speaks all kinds of gifts in the Bible. There's all kinds of several you know, gifts. And these are, these are honestly, this is probably one of the most confusing doctrines in all Christianity, at least in the last 120 years. In the last about 100, since 1900, this has really been one of the most divisive, it's been the very divided, it's been very confusing. And here's what we know about God. God is not the author of confusion. God's not sitting up there going, man, you know what? I, I, I thought when I inspired Paul to write this that it would, he, it would be more clear than it is. And so I gotta go and figure out how to clear, clear this gift stuff up. So when we put the Bible 2.0 out, you know, when we give the second edition of the Bible, when we'll go back, we'll make sure we clarify the gifts. No, God says what he means and he means what he says. And so God is not confused when it comes to the gifts. We are, because one may be based on our experience, one based on what we think should be true. And so what we're going to look at is what does God's word have to say about these specific gifts. Now, there are several types of gifts in the scripture. Now, I do not have time to walk through 20 plus gifts and do a gift survey and a gift inventory, and you go, oh, wow, that is my gift, that's what I have. In fact, you can actually Google the gifts, the list of the gifts in the Bible. You can go through them yourself and look. They're free gift tests that you could take. We have some stuff that we can help you with. If you're like, hey, I'm just trying to figure out what my gift is, uh, we wanna help you do that. Please take a next step. We would love to help you do that. But when we look to the Bible, there's a few characteristics or uh, categories of gift. One, you would have what would be called special gifts. And these special gifts that God gave are gifts like the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. That is a gift that God gives. Now, for an apostle though, let me just wanna make sure to clarify this. And to be an apostle, you had to have seen the resurrection savior eyewitness after the resurrection. So today we would not have what we would call apostles according to the scripture because none of us have seen Jesus face to face after he got up out of the grave. That was a qualification to be considered what we would call a biblical apostle. So just put that in context. But then prophets, and then there's pastors, and there's teachers, and, and there's evangelists. These are special gifts that God gives to the church so that he would use it to advance the kingdom and the people around him. Then there are speaking gifts. Speaking gifts are like prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, pro proclamation preaching God's word, a word of wisdom to someone, or a word of discernment or a word of knowledge that you would speak. These are speaking gifts that God gives to the church, that God gives to the body. Then this is probably where most of us will probably fall in a camp, and that would be the serving gifts. Now, every one of us, again, have a gift, but these would be called the serving gifts. This is like somebody has the gift to serve people. You ever know around people, they just have the gift of like hospitality? They have the gift how they serve people. They have the gift to help. They always wanna help. They're always gonna help. Like, man, I just kind of been like this kind of my whole life. But really, God has took something that was in you and naturally supercharged it that you just love to help people. Like, you look forward to find people that you can help. That is a spiritual gift. 
Some of you have that and you have it really well. And I wanna encourage you to use your gift. In fact, your gift is worthless if you don't use your gift to serve the body. All the way through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and I wanna encourage you that you will go and you will open up your Bibles and you will read this for yourself. But if you have a gift, which we know you have a gift, and you do not use it to serve the body, you are wasting your gift. It will only be effective when you use it to serve the body of Christ. And I can show you that as we walk through the text. It's the gift of, of mercy. Some people have the gift of mercy. Uh, you know, if some of you, you have that. You, have, you understand this grace gift of mercy, how you show mercy to people. Some of you have a gift of discernment. There's a difference of discerning spirits. You're like, that has to be from the Lord. That's really not from the Lord. I can sense that. That is not from God. That is a gift. Some people have that gift that they just know. They just have a, a sense of discernment of this is not of God. There is no way this is from God. And some people have that supernatural ability of gift. And then there's the faith. Some people have faith. I'll look at that in just a moment. And then there's the sign gifts. And this is where the most controversial topics come. This is the signs give like speaking in tongues, healing, prophecy, uh, interpretation of tongues. And these are the ones that got all the really the confusion. These are the ones really that people talk about when they talk about spiritual gifts. And so I understand that we all have different backgrounds. I understand I have a lot of charismatic friends here. I understand that I have a personal lot of charismatic friends in my life. And when you think of charismatic, that word just means gifts, which means charisma, where we, they believe in the gifts. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But I understand you had an experience and a background. And so I want you to know that I'm always want to teach as best as I know what the scripture says. I look at it, I study it, and, and, and over and over and over to see what does God's word have to say about it and how would they received it in the first century? Not today, but then. How would they have understood that because that would be the meaning for us today. And so when we look at the church at Corinth and the church of Corinthians here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this was a jacked up, messed up church. Like, have you ever heard of like a messed up church before? I don't know if you've ever heard of a church like the Corinthians. Like, they are so messed up. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter six, they had believers suing believers, and if you ever, ever thought about that, what about lawsuits and suing each other? Go and read 1 Corinthians chapter six. They had people getting drunk, when they took the Lord's Supper, they kept drinking the wine over and over and over until they got drunk at the Lord's table and God was rebuking that. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, there was sexual sin running rampant in the church. They were eating foods that were sacrificed to idol. Listen, you can't make this up. There was a dude who was sleeping with his stepmom. I mean, this is crazy, y'all. Like, you talk about every Jerry Springer episode you could imagine, like right here in 1 Corinthians. Like, it is like, you, you wanna read a jacked up church? Like, I don't know if I ever came across a church so messed up as this church is right here. I mean, it's crazy. They begin not believing. Maybe Jesus didn't get up out of the grave and Paul rebukes that. And now they're, they're confused about their spiritual gifts. They're confused about what, they, what God had gave them. Now you gotta remember, they didn't have what we have, the Bible. They didn't have sitting here and going, okay, Corinthians, I want you to grab your Bibles with first Peter. Y'all remember Peter? He stopped by here before and preached like, you know, like, and he wrote that down. Like, we're gonna go through the Bible today, so grab your Bible. They didn't have this. They didn't have what you and I had. So you gotta put that in context. See, we have it post now. They did not have the scriptures the way that we 
have the scriptures. But they begin to think, you know what? I'm better than everybody else because I've got this spiritual gift and I got this gift and you don't have this gift. And they were bro- boasting and bragging about the gifts that God has given them. It was like they had this superpower, like these Spider-Man powers, you know? They walk around and say, ooh, what's your gift? Well, I speak in tongues. Ooh, wow, you speak the tongues of angels. That's amazing. What about you? Well, I can prophesy. Awesome, man, you can prophesy. Hey, what's your gift? I have the gift of ministration. Lame. <laughs> what a lame gift. Like, he's a manager. Why, who wants that gift, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm embellishing here, but that's how they were acting. They were so immature about the gifts that God gave them that they didn't understand how to use them. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna walk through this 12 a little bit, a little bit of 13, but I'm gonna walk through most of chapter 14. So there's a lot of text, so you just gotta follow with me. But I wanted to put this in the context so you can take whatever experience that you've experienced, you can take whatever knowledge and understanding you've had about the gifts of the Spirit, and we look at it, what does it look like according to God's Word? Y'all ready to get started? You glad you're here today? All right, it's gonna be fun. Buckle up, here we go. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse four. It says, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. We know that, different gifts, same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different results, but the same God. Did you see the Trinity right there? The triune God we talked about in the first, how God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. It talks about first the same spirit, but the same Lord, but the same God. Just throwing that out there. Uh, You can go back and watch week one. To each person, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the benefit, don't miss this, of all. So God gave you a spiritual gift to benefit the church, to benefit other people. Wasn't for you, it was for the people around you. So what do we know, according to this text? One, every single believer has at least one gift. Every single believer has one gift. Verse seven says, to each person was a gift. So if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, happy birthday, you've been given a spiritual gift and most people don't know what that is. They may assume it was natural talent, like the gift of leadership is a gift. And maybe you just like, man, I'm just like, you know, I just really know how to lead people and I'm a, I'm a great leader. Do you, if you're a believer, that could be your spiritual gift. So you can unpack this. So, so many people wanna focus on the controversial gifts, but there's so many gifts in the scriptures that we see. Gifts were benefit to the church, not for the individual. No believer has all the gifts. If you go on and read chapter 12 and the following on down, it talks about that we're the body. There's the hands, there's the foot, there's the eyes, there's the ears, there's the toes, and all of us are a body, watch this, to unify together so that we can build each other up, build the body up by using our spiritual gift. So church really happens, watch this, when every one of you come here not to get something, but to give something. And most people show up to get something. Give me a word, give me a feeling, give me the Holy Goose bumps, right? I wanna feel it. Give me experience, let me check it off. Church felt good. But as a believer, you're not come here to get, you come here to give. You use your gift to give to build up the church. That's why it takes all of us. That's why we have hundreds of people every single Sunday who serve who stand out in the snow and say, hey, guess what, won't you come this way? Park your car here. Who are are worshiping with your children and teaching them about Jesus on their level so that you could sit here and hear God's word knowing they're safe and they're secure without without having the thought, are they okay? People sort of hand you out a pen so you can take notes, which most of you don't. But anyway, it's another story. If you wanna think it, you gotta ink it, right? And if you ink it, you can think it. So you might wanna write that down. 
The worship team who practices hours and hours throughout the entire week to come so they can serve. We could go on and on and on. You don't come just to get, you come to give. And that's when the church becomes a church and builds up the church. The spirit is what brings the unity, but the gifts is what brings diversity. And all of us have different gifts. Verse eight, man, we got a lot to cover here. For one person is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, the gift of wisdom. Another person has the gift of knowledge, a message of knowledge, according to the spirit. Some have the faith, a gift of faith, according to the same spirit. Other ones have the gift of healing, according to the one the spirit. Another performs miracles. Another one prophesies. Another one discerns spirits. Another one speaks in different kinds of tongues. That's plural, by the way, and it really means languages. So somebody speaks in a different languages, and another interprets the language. They interpret the tongue. It is one of the same spirit, but distributing as he needs to each person who produces all these things. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. It is the Holy Spirit who gives the gift. I cannot give you a gift. I cannot lay hands on you and impart unto you a gift. I am not a gift giver. The Holy Spirit in his sovereignty gives the gifts. Some of those gifts are permanent. Some of those gifts may come upon you and God uses you in the moment of the time and then that gift is no longer on you. I am not a gift giver. Only the Holy Spirit can give the gifts according, as you see, distributing as he decides. And when he decides, not when you want it, when he thinks it's time for you to use it. That's very important for us to understand. So let's walk through some of these gifts real quick and then we'll look at the controversial ones because that's probably ones that really kind of be on your mind anyway. So you have the gift of wisdom. What is the gift of wisdom? Some of you have this gift. It's sometimes when the Spirit of God will give you insight into his will. Like God gives you insight into his will in an area that's not maybe clearly spelled out. There's the gift of wisdom. And I wanna encourage you, be very, 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 I'm gonna say it again, very careful. When someone comes up to you and says, God told me to tell you. I'm gonna caution you, you to be careful when you have an impression and you say, God told me to tell you. Because what you tell them, if it does not come to pass, you know what they did in the Old Testament? They killed them. They stoned them. Because if you said, thus saith the Lord, it better come to pass. And if you didn't hear it, you must be hearing from a devil or a demon, and I'm gonna take you out. Be very careful when you say, God told me. If you look at someone and you say, God told me to tell you, honey, you better be quoting scripture. God told me to tell you that he loves you and he will forgive you. That's in his word, that's true. Be very careful when you say that or you become a false prophet and you'll speak lies into someone's heart and mind and don't be misled. The devil masquerades as lights, performs miracles. 
to the point that when Jesus comes back, it says that he would even lead the elect astray because they believe in the miracles that are being performed by the demons. Be very careful when someone says, thus saith the Lord. If someone says that, they better be quoting scripture. So just will be cautious you on that as you speak. A gift of wisdom is to speak into someone's life and say, hey, I may be sensing this. Maybe God is up to this in life. Watch this. Why don't you go and test what I'm about to tell you to the scripture and see if God's doing this in your life? Be very careful how you say thus, save the Lord. Then there's the gift of knowledge. It's the special knowledge of the Holy Spirit that God just gives you this insight, this knowledge into his word, his insight and knowledge into a situation. Um, we see this with Jesus. Obviously, he's God's son. But in John 4, hey, he says, hey, the person you've actually had five husbands, but the guy you're shacking up with now is not your husband. Oh, I see that you're a prophet. He had the insight into what's going on in their life. Sometimes God will give you the gift to insight things, to know things. Then there's the gift of faith, not the faith that the believe and put your faith and trust in Jesus. I'm talking about the faith, to, miraculous faith to say that you really believe that God can do what he says he's gonna do. Like, I mean, you've seen people, they have faith to move mountains. I mean, they have faith. You see this in the scripture. They came up to Jesus, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And what did Jesus say? I've never seen faith like this ever in all of Israel. That type of faith, that God says he could do it, he'll do it, and he'll come through with it. Like, that's supernatural faith, and some people have that. And then there's the gift of healing. This is the special, special abilities to pray for God's supernatural work, and God begins to heal people. This is not over today. God has gifted people that when they pray, he moves. Like, like when they pray for something to happen, God miraculously sees it in miracles and healings. This has not been done away with today. Now, I'm very cautious when people say I have the gift of healing. I'm like, well, if you have it and you can heal people, then why are you not hitting up the hospitals right now? But our great friend, Clayton King, who comes and preaches, he tells a story about him going hiking to the Himalaya Mountains, goes into this unreached people group. They thought that he was a king because his last name was King. They treat him like a king. He comes and speaks the gospel, but they won't receive the gospel. A, a lady in the, in, the, in the tribe was pregnant with twins. One of the firstborn baby was born stillborn. They took the baby, set the baby over to the side. He was there helping them deliver the baby. They put the baby to the side, put a blanket over the baby. The baby's there while they're delivering the next one. They speak in their native language, says, we will believe in your God if God would raise that baby from the dead. And Clayton King would tell you, him and his whole team put their hands on that baby. They begged God to heal that baby. And 30 minutes later, that baby was resurrected from the dead. I believe that. I believe that. So these things happen. It's very dangerous for us when we sit around going, well, God doesn't do that today. God would never do that. God can do whatever he wants. So these are still active today. Man, oh my gosh, y'all gonna pray for me. I got 10 minutes, I didn't even have a cup of coffee. Oh my goodness. And then we have the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is to be able to speak God's will into circumstances and situations at the right time. It's a way how someone can just take the knowledge of scripture and be able to apply it to your life at the right time. This person is speaking 
from God, God's word into your life, into your circumstance and your situation. They prophesy. Not pro- I don't sit here and prophesy and then someone uh, like a scribe is sitting over here writing this down going, oh, this is gonna be good for the second book of Daniel. Like, let's add this to the scripture. Like, we need to put the second book of Daniel. Oh, you keep going, bro. This is good stuff. Like, there's no scribe over here when I speak prophetically God's word or prophesy God's word into your life that they're adding it to the canon to the Bible going, mm, mm, let's just put that in the scripture, add that, that's a good preaching point right there. They're not doing that. That's not what prophecy is. Prophecy is understanding God's word and being able to take God's word and through the spirit and speak it and to help you and apply it to your life at the right time. This gift has not been gone away. This is a gift that's still available today as God gives it. It's like taking the faith and the wisdom uh, uh, and the knowledge and you prophesy and you speak that over someone. Watch this according to the scripture. That is the gift that we see today. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, do not utterly reject prophecies, but examine everything and hold firmly to what is good. That's why when someone speaks a word over you or prophetically speaks to you, I've had somebody come and says, man, I got a word of the Lord for you. I'm like, oh, bring it, bring it. What is he saying? I want you to know, I'm gonna go test what you tell me according to scripture. Because God's never gonna lead you to tell me anything outside of his scripture. So test it according to God's word. So it's the Holy Spirit that gives the gifts and the spiritual gifts are not equal to spiritual fruit. Doesn't mean you're mature. In fact, the one that had most of the gifts is the most immature, sinful church in the New Testament. So just because you're full of gifts in your church don't mean you're mature. That was free. Just want to throw that out to you this morning. Okay, and then we got 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The apostle Paul says, you know what? We need to put 1 Corinthians chapter 13 between the the, the gifts of the Spirit because it's gonna be really good for them to preach this at weddings. It's a love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. That's not a wedding. (laughs) It's a church service. And it's not ironic for the Holy Spirit to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I know you got all this spiritual gifts mentality upset, but let's talk about the real gift and let's put the real thing. If you have all these gifts, but you do not have love, your gift is worthless. If you think you're better than someone else because you speak in a certain language or that you have the gift of prophecy or that you have the gift of knowledge and you think you're better than someone else, whoa, 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 you're missing the point. You gotta have unity and it's love. It's not the gifts. Gifts bring diversity, but it's the spirit of love that brings unity. So in 1 Corinthians 13, he says this. If, if, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, I'm just, for time's sake, I'm just, I believe that Paul was being sarcastic here. Paul says, whether if I could speak in all the language of men, if I could speak angel tongue, even if I could speak the language of angels. Now look what he says. But I do not have love then what am I? I'm a noisy gong, clanging cymbal. And if I have prophecy, and I know all the mysteries and knowledge that God's given me wisdom to speak into your life, and if I have faith to move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give everything away, this is the gift of giving. Some people have the gift of generosity. If I give everything away and I give over my body in order to boast, but I do not have love, I receive no benefit. Without love, your spiritual gift is worthless. If your spiritual gift is all about you, look at me, look what it could do for me. I've got this, you don't have this, you, listen, it's worthless. He goes on and says in verse eight, but if 
there are prophecies, they'll be set aside. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be set aside. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when what is perfect comes, the partial will be set aside. Now, this is probably one of the most controversial verses. This is the difference between people who believe in the gifts and don't believe in the gifts, all on how they interpret one word, when the perfect comes. So you have these groups of people, let me break this down, you have the sensationists, they believe that the gifts have ceased. There's no more sign gifts today, we don't need sign gifts today, why? Because we have the perfect word of God, and they interpret that when the perfect comes is God's word. And because we have all the miracles and signs that we need here, we don't need signs, gifts like miracles and prophecy and speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, why? Because we have the God's word. They're called sensationists, they believe it's ceased. God's word ceased. Then you have Pentecostals. Pentecostals believe that yes, you've been baptized or you've been saved, then there's a second work that you're perfected, then there's a third work, you've been baptized, and there's evidence that you've been baptized because you speak in tongues. And if you do not speak in tongues, you have not truly been saved, you have not been baptized, so you better get your act together or you better start faking it. So Pentecostals will believe if you are truly saved, you will speak in tongues. That's nowhere in the scripture. Then you have charismatics. Charismatics will say, you know what? Hey, the gifts are still active, but not everybody has them. They're still active, the prophecy in tongues, interpretation in tongues, that's still active. But not every believer has those gifts. That's the difference between a Pentecostal and a charismatic. Then there's a fourth category. And these are the people that will believe that, hey, they haven't existed, there's not really a name for it, they haven't stopped existing, but the way that the church and people practice the gifts today are really not biblical. That would be the camp that I'll fall into. I am a charismatic with a seatbelt. I don't have no van outside with flames on it that says Shekinah glory, okay? I'm just, I don't drive that. I'm a charismatic, I believe the gifts are still active because the perfect comes is not with the word of God, the perfect comes is when Jesus comes. Paul says, what I know impartial, I preach impartial, I prophesy impartial. But if you keep reading in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, but someday I'll look in the mirror and I will see him face to face and I will be perfected, I will be completed. What was partial will now be full. So until Jesus comes back, the gifts are remaining and they're active. I just don't think that people do them biblically, at least according to the text. So now, in the next three minutes, <laughs> We're gonna go through all of chapter 14. Oh my gosh, we need some extra time this morning, didn't we? This is good stuff, this is good stuff. Because everyone has a different thought and belief, and watch this, you have a different experience. So let me see how I can summarize this. Let's walk through this very fast, okay? So you could go back and watch this. You probably have tons of questions. I don't have all the answers. I'm just gonna look at God's word and tell you what it says in the text. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse one. Pursue love. And be eager for the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, all the way through chapter 14, Paul is gonna compare and contrast tongues and prophecy because these are the two ones that people get hung up on. The, what's prophecy? The ability to speak God's situation into people's lives at the right time, taking scripture. He says, so I want you to earnestly desire to be able to know God's word and be able to speak it into people's lives. I, want, I wish you all would prophesy. I wish you all had this gift. 
But remember, only God gives the gifts. Verse two, for the one speaking in tongue does not speak to people but to God. For no one understands he's speaking mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for the strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So every Sunday when I sit up and take God's word and speak it to your life, prophesy to your life and to your little circumstance. Remember when you're sitting here going, man, you're preaching right at me today. No, that's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. He's speaking that into your life. Verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies, watch this, builds the church up. I wish you all spoke in languages. I wish you all would speak in tongues, but even more, I wish that you would prophesy. Prophecy is greater than tongues. Look what he says. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongue, unless he interprets it so that the church may be strengthened. He didn't say the person is better, it's the gift is more valuable for you to prophesy than you to speak in a language. Verse six. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I help you unless I speak you to you a revelation or with knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If I get up and speak in a language that you don't understand, that doesn't benefit anybody. And that's what was happening here. Remember we talked about Acts chapter two? Someone would get up and next day they'd be speaking and next day they know somebody's speaking Mandarin over here. Like, oh my gosh, they're, what's, they're speaking Mandarin. What is that? And somebody's in the back going, I know what they're saying. Here's what they're saying. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's what they said? I didn't know that language. It's unfruitful to me. I don't, I'm not aware of that. This is what was taking place. Remember, here, you gotta put this in perspective. This is corporate church setting. Look what he says. Verse seven. It is similar for, listen, if I come to you and I only speak in tongues, but I don't give you a revelation, knowledge, prophecy, or teaching, it's worthless. It's similar for a lifeless things that make a sound like a flute or a harp, unless they make distinctive notes. How can what is played on a flute or harp be even understood? For example, the trumpet makes an unclear sound. Who will get ready for the battle, right? They go battle, they blow the horn, you know, watch Lord of the Rings, I've been loving it and watching it right now. And they, they blow the horn, which means it's time to go to fight. But what if the sound is off? And you send people out of the battle, but you didn't mean to. It's gotta be clear here is what he's trying to say. Verse nine, it is the same for you. If you do not speak clearly with your language, with your tongue, how will anyone know what is being said? For you will be speaking, watches into the air, which means you are wasting the gift. When you speak it and no one knows what you're speaking, it's useless. Man, I didn't know that. There's no benefit to the church unless someone stands up and interprets it, the tongue. No benefits. You're speaking into the air. Verse 10, there are probably many kinds of languages, remember, in the world. We're talking about different languages. Someone would speak in language, like, oh my gosh, I can hear it in my native tongue. That's what was taking place. There are probably many kinds of language in the world and none is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker's a foreigner to me. It is the same with you, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, seek to abound in order to strengthen the church. If you want a gift, seek a gift that edifies the church, that builds the church up. But most people that I've been around with, they just wanna seek the gift of tongues, as if it was a better gift. It's a lesser gift, according to Paul. Verse 13, so then one who speaks in a tongue should pray, that he may interpret it. I have never, ever, 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 ever been a part of a service, and I've been in many services. I have friends who speak. I've been, never been part of a service where someone speaks and someone interprets it. And I've never been part of someone who says, I have the gift, but I never pray for God to give me a word what it means. 
He said, if you have that gift, you need to pray and ask God to give you insight and wisdom to what you're saying so that you may interpret the gift. Verse 14, if I pray in a tongue and my spirit prays, my mind is unproductive. What is he saying? If my spirit's praying, but I don't even know what I'm praying, my mind's unfruitful. What's benefit is that to me? If I'm speaking a language, but I don't even know what I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not self-controlled with my mind. So what we're clearly seeing is, it's not a static. This is not a trance. This is not something that comes upon you next thing your eyes roll on the back of your head and you start speaking. That is not according to the text. He's saying you can have control over this. If your spirit, but your mind don't know what you're praying, it's unproductive, it's unfruitful. Verse 15, what should I do? I, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind. Clarity, I will make sure that we're in sync together. I will sing with my spirit, I will sing praises with my mind. I wanna make sure that I'm in my right mind, what I'm knowing, what I'm saying. Otherwise, if you're praising God with your spirit, how can someone without the gift, what's the gift, the Holy Spirit, say amen? To your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you are saying. Unbelievers, watch this, will have no clue what's going on in the church when you stand up and speak in your tongue. Verse 17. For you are certainly giving thanks well, but the one person who is not strengthened. What? For you certainly are giving thanks well, but the other person who hears you, they're not strengthened. So I thank God that I speak in languages. That's what that means, languages. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you because they thought if I had this special gift, Paul said, I've been called up to the third heaven. I can speak in tongues. Like we talk about, he says, I wish you all, I speak more languages than all of you, but in the church, I want you, watch this, I would rather speak five words of intelligence. I'd rather speak five words from my mind to instruct you than 10,000 words in a tongue. 10,000 to the Greek was the largest number at this time was 10,000. So really that means infinity. I'd rather speak five words of clarity to you than speak into a language that you don't even understand because it'd be worthless to you. Verse 20, brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Instead, be infants and evil, but in your thinking, be mature. It is written. Now, this is so good. This is so important. Watch this. Paul quotes Old Testament. It is written. By people with strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, yet not even in this will they listen to me. So, verse 22, then, tongues are signs, watch this, are not for believers, but unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for unbelievers to prophetically speak God's word into their life. Tongues are watches for unbelievers. So when you speak in a tongue, the purpose, primary purpose of you speaking a tongue is for someone to interpret it so unbelievers will be saved. And it's amazing that all the people that I know who speak in tongues are never know unbelievers are around nor no one's there to interpret it. That's the primary role of the gift, according to the text that we walk through. So verse 23, so when the whole church comes together and all speaks in tongues and unbelievers are uninformed and people enter, they will not say that they have lost their minds. If we all just spoke in tongues and unbelievers come in like, this place is psycho. These places are crazy. What in the world is going on here? They, they have lost their mind. Look, but if all would prophesy and an unbeliever's uninformed person enters, he will be convicted because he hears God's word being applied to their life. The Holy Spirit will use that. He will be called to an account and the secrets of his heart, the conviction in his heart are disclosed and this he will fall down on his face to the ground. He will worship God declaring God is in this place. When we all prophesy, what does that mean? Take God's word and be able to speak it into people's lives. 
Man, this stuff is good, man. Verse 26, what shall we do then? Brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one has a song, has a lesson, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let us then, watch this, let all these things be done by strengthening for the church. It's to be strengthened of the church. If someone speaks in a tongue, it should be two or three at the most. At the time, I've never been a part of that service. If you ever go to service and everyone's speaking in tongues, they're not following it biblically. If no one stands up to interpret it, look what Paul says. If someone speaks in a tongue and two or three must at a time and one after the other and someone must, and look what, someone must, someone must, someone must interpret it. And if there is no interpretation, he should be quiet in the church and let him speak to himself and God. Keep your tongue to yourself. I've never seen that practice. Just personally. And I have a lot of Pentecostal charismatic friends. So then brothers and sisters, verse 30, be eager to prophesy. Why? Because that's gonna build the church up. And do not forbid anyone speaking in tongues. Why? Because it has not ceased. God can do it. I've heard, I've heard from missionaries who come and say, I mean, just heard this, this this week. A guy sitting there and he's a gift of speaking and preaching was going through an interpreter and everybody was sitting there and nobody can understand. And then one of the guy on the team who does not have the gift of preaching stands up and for some miraculous reason begins to speak into their language. And they're all amazed because he now knows their language and all of a sudden they listen and they're getting saved because this guy just says, hey, I just feel like I need to say this. And he was spoke, spoke in their language and they got it. So it's not a gift that has ceased. And do everything, watch this, this is so big, and this is what we try to focus on too. Watch the verse 40. Do everything in decent and orderly manner. Few final thoughts, observations, and we're done. When you come to church, you should come to give, not to get. Give your gift, use your gift, serve. That's why we say you always have a next step. If you're not serving, how can we use your gift? Leadership, help? Administration, we can go on and on and on. Can you speak into people's lives and God's give you insight into the wisdom? You should be a counselor. God gave us a gift for the body to build the body up, to build the body, to serve the body. What is your gift? Not all Christians speak in tongues. Sorry to my Pentecostal friends, I'm sorry. Very clear, not all believers will have that gift. Primary purpose of tongues was to spread the gospel to unbelievers, especially the Jews. That was the primary gift. The primary purpose, now listen to me, this is where it gets controversial. The primary gift was not a private prayer language. In fact, to be really, really honest with you, nowhere in chapter 12, 13, or 14 was ever mentioned this is the private prayer language. This was a corporate gathering of the church. I'm not saying that God can't give somebody a language to pray. Who mean to say that? But I will tell you, 12, 13, and 14, there's no private prayer language there. That's a corporate setting. How to use your gift, according to the text. There's no gift that we see called an angel tongue, where you speak an angel. It's not one of the gifts that are listed. Paul makes a sarcastic mistake. If I could speak all the human languages, even if I could speak the language of angels, but I have no love, what's the point? It's hypothetically. Every time angels appeared to man, they never spoke in the angel tongue, they spoke in human languages. It's not there in this section of the text that we're looking at today. Can God still perform these? Absolutely. Remember, charismatic, seatbelt. 
I believe the gifts are active. I don't believe they have ceased. I just believe they're not practiced biblically according to what Paul just laid out for all of us to see. In fact, Paul was kind of discouraging it. He said, if there's no one there to interpret it, you're just talking to the air. If your mind don't know what you're praying, it's really unfruitful to you. So you just need to be quiet and pray to yourself in the Lord. And if you really want a gift, seek gifts that edify the church, the body. And some will say, well, Paul says you gotta pray in the spirit. Isn't that speaking in tongues? No, there's no tongues around anywhere around that praying the spirit. What did we talk about last week? When you're baptized in the spirit and you're filled with the spirit, praying in the spirit is to yield to the spirit's leading and guiding in every day in your prayer life. That's what it means to pray in the spirit. Lastly, oh my gosh, they're gonna destroy me in the kids' ministry. We're going over so much. <laughs> Lastly, here it is. Spiritual gifts cannot be taught. And I've been in several listening if you wanna learn how to prophesy, we have a class called The Gift of Prophecy. We're gonna teach you how to prophesy. You wanna learn how to speak in a tongue? We're gonna teach you how to speak in tongues. Come up here and we're gonna give you syllables that you could teach and you can learn and you begin to speak and say what I say. Gifts are not taught. Gifts are given. And so that should be a very warning when someone says, come and we'll show you how to. You don't give gifts. Only the Holy Spirit does. So in light of everything that we said, and there was so much, go home. Study the text. Examine the text. Read the text. Some of you had experiences that kind of go against maybe what that was Paul just said. Always put your experience up to what God's word says. I'm gonna ask people to bow your heads. Thank you for hanging out with us today. And hopefully this stirs this you to go study God's word. I hope it stirs in you to put some things into context in your life. For some of you, you may have never heard. You never really read through 12, 13, and 14. I encourage you to do that, to study God's word. But please, don't get caught up on the gift. Focus on the one who gives the gifts, the Holy Spirit. Focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And today, like we said last week, if you wanna be baptized in the Spirit, give your life to Jesus, because that's when you're baptized in the Spirit. Every one of you at all of our campuses can do that. Right where you said, you could cry out to the Lord and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me, I believe you died for me, and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Please come into my life, forgive me of my sins and help me follow you all the days of my life. If that's you and you pray that with us, we believe the scripture is clear. Those who call upon them, Lord, will be saved. And we're here to help you take your next step. Maybe you're trying to figure out what your gift is. We'll take a next step. Let's do it together. Let's figure it out. Maybe you realize you have a gift and you're not using it to serve the body. Let's go. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Start serving the body. Use your gift. Because that's why God gave it to you. Father, thank you so much for your word. I think, Lord, we make things difficult and complex when you give clarity and simplicity. 
God, we do not have this all figured out and we do not know it all. As Paul says, what I know in partial, what I prophesy in partial, we do not have it all figured out. But I pray that we would be a church, a spirit-filled church, a church who knows their gifts and use their gifts to edify, build up the body. May we become that church, Lord. For it's your name we ask and we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you took a next step today, we would love to get to celebrate with you. So please let us know at our website, betterlock.church slash next steps. And to stay connected with you throughout the week, you can download our Better Life app. And if you felt led to give today, please give at our website, betterlock.church slash give. We'll be praying for you this week. Please join us again next time.